Information sharing, emerging cyber threats, and legal ramifications for banks in the wake of a breach or fraud event are all getting increased attention. And at the center of many of these discussions surrounding these topics is the FSISAC, the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center. Bill Nelson, president and CEO of the FSISAC, has watched his organization dramatically change over the last three years. As cyber threat intelligence sharing took on a new role and new meaning in the wake of the DDoS attacks of 2012 and 2013 waged against leading U.S. banks. Here Bill Nelson, a featured presenter at the RSA Conference USA in San Francisco, April 20th through 24th, describes how information sharing, attack attribution, and banking institutions' threat intelligence has evolved and what he sees coming down the pike in the future. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Bill, you've been talking about the importance of information sharing for a number of years, but today information sharing is a common topic of discussion, not only among bankers and banking groups, but also federal banking regulators who are stressing the need for better threat intelligence as part of a holistic cybersecurity strategy. How would you say that information sharing, Bill, has changed over the last two years? Yeah, I think you said in the last two years, I I even go back further, it's changed a lot. I joined the organization in 2006, and frankly, there wasn't much information sharing done at all. In fact, we would throw a party when uh, a member would share some information, uh, literally, with some other member. That started to change, I'd say, in the 2009-2010 timeframe, when a couple of financial institutions decided to assign staff to share information. And when they did that, they started to share everything, and other financial institutions started to see the benefit. As one company got attacked and shared that information, that information could be used to prevent the same attack from being successful at their institution. So over the years, it's, it's changed. I think a couple things that have helped it you know, go from really no sharing you know, nine years ago to almost like I'd call it a, a drinking from a fire hose. There's so much sharing going on. There's a lot of trust that's been established. I know in the FSISEC's case, we have the ability to share information anonymously, but even with that, some members share uh, with attribution on some of the uh, different trust groups that we've established. For instance, we have a, a trust group, just payments professionals from financial institutions. And then with other groups like the uh, insurance industry, we have an insurance risk council, we have a clearinghouse exchange forum, we have a broker-dealer council. We have a a group just for community institutions, and the list just goes on and on. We have uh, different groups uh, within the FSISAC that share, and uh, when necessary, that information gets shared much broadly. So the amount of information that's being shared is much greater, and if you look at some of the reports that keep coming out, either by Verizon, the latest data breach report, or others, the number of attacks keeps increasing. So... I think a lot of this uh, success with sharing within the industry is a result of the number of attacks that we're seeing. Also, the sharing that we're getting uh, with our government partners has increased, too, and the sharing even with other sectors. Bill, during the opening, I mentioned the DDoS attacks of 2012 and 2013. Of course, you've mentioned that we probably saw information sharing taking place much sooner than that. But I'd like to talk a little bit about how information sharing changed during these DDoS attacks. During that period, the industry didn't really seem too concerned about who was waging the attacks, only how banks and credit unions should protect themselves from the attacks. Today, however, attack attribution seems to play a more prominent role. What's your take on how the role of attribution has changed or evolved? Yeah, I think one of the, yeah, I, I think you're right. The banks were and the credit unions were concerned about how to protect themselves. And we were able at that time to really rally in getting the whole industry together in terms of the financial institutions that were being attacked. 
putting it together and sharing best practices about how to protect themselves from different types of attacks. I wouldn't say that the industry wasn't concerned about who was waging the attack. There just wasn't much information that was being relayed, at least from our government, about attribution. And the government was not willing to say, you know, this was a, in particularly a nation-state attack. There were certainly one priority in particular claimed to be the organization, almost like a hacktivist group, that was upset about a video that was on, I think, YouTube. In reality, you know, later there were some private intelligence companies that, that gave attribution to a particular country on that. And I think our country is now, uh, at least our government, this administration is more willing to give attribution to these types of attacks when that's known. And we've seen that with some indictments about a year and a half ago from the FBI against some uh, senior officers in the Chinese military. And we saw that with the Sony attacks when this administration attributed that to North Korea. So I think there wasn't that factor in the past that our administration or the government was willing to provide that attribution, but they are more willing to do that today. I think one of the main reasons is these disruptive attacks have really evolved. They've gone from distributed denial of service, which is disruptive, to what we saw with uh, Saudi Aramco and 30,000 machines that became unbootable with destructive malware. Uh, we saw it again in South Korea with a couple banks, a media company, insurance company that were attacked. Again, destructive malware being used. Patch systems were targeted and the machines were made unbootable. And then here with the Sony attacks, I think the public focused on some of the uh, revelations and the data breach uh, that that exposed. But I think more importantly, there was, just, again, destructive malware placed on these computers that Sony had and, and their servers and their ability to even back up their system was affected. So to my knowledge, I, I don't know if Sony's actually produced third quarter financials from last year as a result of that attack. So that's of, of great concern. And as a financial institution, there really isn't much you can do if you have that serious of an attack hitting your financial institution in terms of ability to bring anybody to justice or to take civil litigation if it's coming from a nation state. So it is important that uh, the administration is acknowledging the attribution today. This administration announced that they actually will pose sanctions against nation states that launch these type of destructive malware attacks. So again, that's a good sign. Bill, the FSISAC has developed a product known as Soltra Edge that aims to help automate information sharing. What can you tell us about the product and how it works? Yeah, in uh, medieval times, there was a system of really a, a fire beaconing system to notify uh, others of attackers coming, so an attack coming from another country. It's called Soldier Edge. So we thought that was an appropriate name for this system. Today, you see attacks occurring. They get in the system in, in a matter of seconds sometimes, and at the most, a matter of minutes. But your ability to detect that attack and respond to it can take hours or even days in some cases. What we thought was needed and, and our members thought was needed was a way to automate all this. Instead of using just email and a cut and paste to take that information and update your security systems, for instance, if it's a, an attacking IP address to block it, if it's uh, an email, a subject line, a new new subject line you haven't seen before, but has uh, a link to malicious malware, you know, to stop those emails uh, at the perimeter so they don't get to your employees. Or if it's uh, malware, an executable file, actually detect that information and uh, delete the malware immediately. So if you have machine-to-machine -machine speed, you can then actually uh, detect this information and take appropriate action much more quickly 
and respond in a matter of seconds rather than hours or, or even days. What it utilizes are standards, uh, particularly STICS and TAXI. TAXI is a communication protocol. STICS, which stands for Structured Threat Intelligence Expression, is actually a bunch of data elements or constructs around different things that can be standardized, like threat indicators, tactics, techniques, procedures, uh, who the threat actor is, what this campaign is striving for, what's the appropriate course of action. So all that information can be shared in a standard format, and therefore, instead of using manual processes, actually send it right to your Soldier Edge instance at, at other financial institutions or other companies, and they in turn can feed that automatically into your security systems. Bill, what about from a legal standpoint? Does Soldier Edge help to protect banking institutions in some way when it comes to privacy or corporate data protections? Yeah, in terms of, of privacy of the information, in FSISAC, the types of information we exchange today the types of information that Soldier Edge is carrying today. We don't really carry any personally identifiable information, or PII. So the concerns about privacy around account numbers or individual names, that's not carried. It's really about what the attack is about and what are some of the more technical aspects of the attack so you can defend yourself. So I think uh, from a security standpoint, it's a pure security solution without any of the the privacy concerns that you see exchanging a PII. And Bill, how many institutions, or roughly how many institutions, do you currently have signed up for Soldier Edge? We made the uh, service available, uh, Soldier Edge, starting on December 3rd. And the latest number I saw, there were well over 1,000 companies that had downloaded the software. About half of those, so roughly around 500 or financial institutions. The others were companies from other sectors, and some were actually government agencies from the U.S. and uh, Canada and Europe. So it's been a, a, a wide range. So we've gone pretty deep within the sector. Again, most of the downloads have been financial institutions, but other sectors, not just private sector companies, but the government has also been interested in it too. The tool is being used not just domestically, but also internationally. Is that right? Yes. I, I can't say who right now because we're keeping the list private, but there's a major cert in Europe uh, that has actually employed it and uh, is using it today, uh, as are a number of other organizations uh, from around the world. There's a major Australian financial institution that's uh, visiting with us today that's a big proponent of it. There's a number of uh, financial institutions in Asia, throughout Europe, that are starting to use it, and Canada. So as I mentioned earlier, Bill, you will be at RSA talking about some of these security issues. You'll touch on information sharing and legal concerns related to account takeover incidents during a panel that you'll be speaking on. What are some of the topics that you expect to be hot at the event overall? Yeah, I think related to that issue in terms of liability, I I think we've seen some changes. And Tracy, you and I have been on a couple of panels together where we talked about liability and around classic account takeover where you have somebody clicking on a link, malware gets on their system, generally a business uh, account, and then the money is hijacked and leaves the account. It's also sometimes there are attempts to hide the fact that this occurred either through a DDoS attack against the financial institution. So not only that victimized company, but nobody can actually get into see their account balances or um, transaction information. That still is occurring, but we're actually seeing less of that today. We're seeing more of what's being called business email compromises, or BEC. And these are uh, oftentimes cases where the corporate customer is receiving an invoice that's uh, well, not clearly fraudulent, might be coming from one of their suppliers' uh, emails that's been spoofed. 
or it might be coming from an email from somebody in the company saying, pay this invoice, and that's been spoofed, and the invoice ends up being paid really through procedures at the company having nothing to do with the uh, the bank in those cases. And sometimes those attempts have been uh, successful. There's, uh, I think the FBI is estimating that there's some pretty significant losses in the uh, literally hundreds of millions of dollars per year in losses as a result of this new uh, attempt. So that gets into uh, you know the whole issue of uh, these cyber criminals using other methods to do it. I mean, sometimes they're using uh, other types of social engineering, including uh, phone calls or email, not just strictly a technical attack, you know, like in classic account takeover. So I think that's something we're going to be talking about at the session. These business email compromises have been something that I've been hearing a lot about too, Bill, recently. And I, I suppose from the banking institution perspective or even from the commercial customer perspective, there's greater worry there because the entities that actually have the customers that fall for these particular scams are liable themselves, right? If fraud results, I mean, it's a little bit of a different type of account takeover scenario than what we've seen in the past. Exactly, yeah. And so beyond the panel that you'll be speaking on, Bill, are there any additional thoughts you'd like to share with us about some of the topics that you think will be hot overall at the RSA event? Yeah, I think there's usually some new announcement of some new technology. I think a lot of people were looking for silver bullets to some of the cyber criminal activities and some of the other nation state activities. I think there is a concern about destructive malware and data integrity. There needs to be some very, very careful and good plans put in place to address that problem. For instance, the FSISAC, we've just announced a task force to look at best practices to defend against destructive malware and data integrity attacks. Well, nobody's really addressed this, at least within the financial services sector, to make sure we are protected. And I think what's unique about this is it attacks not just your current systems, but also your backup. And this isn't a classic backup situation where you, you know, have hot backup running online and, you know, a facility goes down. This is a, your backup system becomes compromised or the integrity of the data becomes compromised and you can't even balance your transactions or just become completely invalid and your system is uh, toast at that point. And that's, that's what happened to Sony. So I think that's a big concern. I think a lot of people will be looking for solutions to that problem. It may involve segregation of data in a much more secure manner than it's done today. I mean, today when somebody gets into your network, they can travel around your network and infect many different systems. You need to have ways to, to prevent that from happening. You also need to have ways to detect and respond when it does happen in a way that can provide quick business resilience. If you look at the definition of business resilience, it's the ability to come back up and be operational uh, in a short period of time, not days, weeks, months, or never. I mean, you have to have ways to recover your data and make sure it doesn't get destroyed or the integrity of it disappears. Well, Bill, I want to thank you again for your time, and I look forward to seeing you at the RSA event. Me too. I look forward to seeing you, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks again. Again, we've just heard from Bill Nelson of the FSI SAC. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.